Hello, and welcome to the Sparks in Action podcast. This is your host, Donna Sherman. Happy to have you here with us. And today, I, my guest is Lori Winters. And Lori Winters is a psychologist. She is a rabbinically trained, excuse me, chaplain. She teaches at the State University here at SUNY New Paltz. She also teaches up at Goddard College in Vermont. She has a lot of really wonderful interests. And we are going to be talking today about grieving and uh, the life-affirming aspect of grieving. So do not click off because this is a conversation that we hope is going to both hold you and give you some really great um, takeaways as well as um, elevate you and normalize the whole process of grieving in its many forms. So I bring you Lori Winters. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, Donna. It's, it's such an honor and um, a thrill to be here in conversation with you. Um, we, walk, we have walks um, in the Hudson Valley and have these wonderful conversations, so it's wonderful to be in this format sitting with you. Yes, I feel the same way. And what our listeners might want to know is that Lori and I have these walks and we have these fantastic, rich, deep dive conversations. And so we're both challenged today to keep it to the Sparks in Action podcast time limitation, but we'll do what we can. So thank you so much for um, being here with me today. So I wanted to start, you know, the subject is uh, of import to all of us right now on so many various levels, grief, grieving, community, how we can show up for each other, rituals. And I'd like you to begin with um, you and I, since it's such a perfect segue, had this moment when we were taking a walk in the Nyquist Preserve. And I thought maybe you could share something about that walk that moment and that could bring us walk us into the conversation yeah um that was a beautiful and, and profound and potent and beautiful moment uh you and i were walking and there's a field um in, in part of the preserve that's often empty it's an open field but this time there was a beautiful bench like right in the center of it and there was somebody sitting on the bench and we happened to get close to the bench, not, in, not necessarily with any intention of going there, but we got very close and we saw there was an older woman sitting on the bench. And as I think is both our nature, um, we say hello to people when we pass them. And that's probably a, a, a more than common thing in the area that we live in. Um, people nod to each other on, on a walk. And we started talking and she shared with us, I, I think I may have asked them, you know, it's beautiful that they have benches like all over the uh, sanctuary to sit and just be with the birds because there's uh, all kinds of blue herons and geese and swan and um, red-winged blackbirds and more all over this incredible sanctuary. And she right. shared with us, well, this actually, this bench is, um, um, was gifted by my family in memory of my husband who recently died of COVID. And we didn't sit down, but we, we sat with 
each other and visited. And I don't remember who of us asked what was his name and she shared his name and she may have shared a little bit about how he loved the sanctuary. And there was a moment that, that we all were with each other in this exquisite presence of the sorrow that, that, that she, we, I can't imagine what she's living with and I don't know the story or how long she's been with her husband. Just what I imagine is the sorrow of, losing your beloved um and it was just a really rich moment and there were no words other than really being with each other and the small talk was really big you know it's and there was recently an uh, an essay i don't know if you saw it in yesterday last week sunday times about make your small talk big um, it was this beautiful little piece. And I was thinking about it. It might've seemed like small talk, but it was a really rich and deeply connecting moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then we said goodbye and continued on. And I was thinking, this is it. This is, if there is a, if there is a remedy or antidote. And I don't even know if those are the right words to the sorrow that we all carry in our lives this is one of them, this being connected with each other and, and knowing that we are not alone. Right. I remember, Lori, that moment where she, she was on the bench and she had to sort of turn her body a little bit to speak with us. And there was something, her sorrow was apparent, but there was a, did you catch that too? And I think we may have talked about, there was a, there was a kind of, Lovely. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if acceptance would be the word. I wouldn't say that per se. And that would be presumptive of me. But there was something, there was a presence to her, and you, which was what you said. And it was an exquisite, those were your terms, presence. And we did share that. Like we looked at her, she looked at us. We all didn't rush to converse. We kind of dropped into whatever that moment was. We don't have to define it. And I remember it felt, as you say, have your small talk be big. It did. It had that feeling. And she did say something like, he didn't need to die. I remember, I remember that. Some, yeah. But we didn't talk about that. We didn't turn it into something else. And I remember as we said goodbye to her, and it was that shared moment, that beautiful exchange, um, that as we walked away, I remember you said to me, wow, I feel weepy, you know, and you just let yourself feel it um and we kept walking and i think that initiated more conversation um about grief and grieving and um i think that's it it's also that that honesty in sharing uh that ability to get quiet enough to share from a deeper place and i was wondering if you could say something about that about any tools that could help people hear their heart and hear what they need. It's so hard to even know when one is in a place of grief. Mm. Well, that's a huge question. Of course. Um. (laughs) 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 Ah, so, well, I love the question, you know, um, how do we, how do we listen to ourselves and what's really happening in our internal landscape, in our, in our heart, in our, 
um, in our bellies because we can feel grief for any, and we can feel any of our feelings, any place in our bodies. And I, I and if I, if I kind of take us back to that moment um, with, with her, um, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was small talk, but it was, if we, if we change the word talk to listening, like how do we really listen? Mm-hmm. listen to each other and listen to ourselves, which is, which is very subversive in dominant culture, which as you know, right, fills us with, fill us up with stuff because we're so like end oriented and product oriented and um, production and performance oriented that what, what's happening in our internal landscape as we navigate our day-to-day lives, and especially when we have strong feelings, mm-hmm. I mean, right? This, this is a culture like if anything is too strong and it, and, it, and it falls into the category of the negative feeling as if we have negative feelings and positive feelings, where do we go to let ourselves feel loss or sadness or anger or things that, you know, make people uncomfortable. Um, And so when we're really little, if we've learned to not listen to that because it made people uncomfortable, we really have to like develop skill sets to relearn how to listen to all those feelings because they're, they're North stars for us, right? They guide us into like, what's the next generative movement in, in our lives And that we've privatized feelings like that. And again, in dominant culture, like you go to the therapist to talk about that versus you talk to a few friends about it. And then your friends say, oh, I felt that way too. Mm -hmm. This is how I navigate it. Um, So maybe one of the tools is to reach out to one trusted friend or maybe a few Mm -hmm. um, to just take a moment to share your vulnerability and 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 we all come from cultures that originally had some aspect of that right right so it doesn't have to be a ritual a communal ritual that's really nice when we do have that but it doesn't have to be that it could be a walk or a cup of tea yeah i think that is i think that is so on point Lori. just the the power of just reaching out and sharing vulnerability um, and not, you know, and then, then those of us listening or being in presence with, whether the person, the bereft person, um, and a, or the person listening or being in presence doesn't have to fix, you know, but we can say, what do you need? How can I be there best for you? And I was just thinking just for a moment, just to bring it personal for me for just a second, I don't need to go into it, but I had a conversation recently with a friend who's known me a very, very long time, decades and decades, and how there was a particular day where I lost my, my mother died in March, as you know, and um, there was a particular day a couple of weeks ago where I was just really feeling the vulnerability, the sadness and finality. And I called her because I just needed someone who knew me from my like way back when. And, and that was it. I just, it, and there was a, 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 something guided me to call this particular friend and I knew why and I could tell her and we could just talk for a few minutes. That was it. And I literally, literally felt some weight lift. So so yeah, so that sharing the vulnerability on every level. So that that I think I think that's key. So the reaching out, the sharing um, our vulnerability, 
Um, is there anything else that um, arises for you as we talk about this? Well, I'm thinking of your, your, the story that you just shared of, um, I do this all the time, what you, what you just said. And I, I have this sort of um, mantra that I share with um, people in my life that we need each other to remind us who we are. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And so you're reaching out to someone who knows you, that you don't have to <clears throat> explain who you are. You're already known. You're already valued. You're already seen. You're already loved in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so we crave that. We're wired for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be with our birth family. It, it, you know, we... Right. Um, <laughs> I'm a little, uh, and that that's a that's a deep intimacy, and I'm thinking of communal and collective rituals where people might not necessarily know who we are mm -hmm. in that personal kind of way, um, and I'll 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 go right to the Jewish wisdom tradition, which is the. Sure the indigenous uh, peoples that I uh, come from and have been brought up in, and, and you share that with me, and I share that with you. Um, on any, any prayer service you go to has um, a moment of Kaddish, um, and people collectively hold you, or you collectively hold other people um, in their... Um, prayer and memory of loved ones who've died mm -hmm. while at the same time praising God, mm -hmm. which is a pretty interesting combination that like praise and grieving go hand in hand. And of course, love is in there. Mm -hmm. um, and so often in those situations, people don't know each other personally, but there's a real sense of collective holding. Um, yeah. That's very, very powerful. And every indigenous culture has that. I was recently, and you may know this, I, I, I just learned this in, um, in Irish cultures. I know about the wake, but there was someone called the Keener. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before, and they're the one who... Sure, tell our listeners. That's very interesting. Who, who calls people together and actually starts the call of wailing, like opens the gates of grief so other people can also wail. Um, and I don't know that it happens in contemporary Irish wakes, but it's a, a traditional practice. Yeah. Um, in Judaism, there's a, a prayer practice called Tachonun that is in everyday liturgy, and, and there's a whole choreography to it where you lay your head on your left arm because there's a left, this is true in Chinese medicine, from the, um, the ring finger, go, uh, there's a, a line of energy that goes right to the heart, and you weep for 20 minutes, just mm -hmm. weeping to God, just letting God hold you in whatever it is you want to weep about. And it could be also weeping like, the joy and love of something is, is so intense. We weep also because we also know that at some point we're going to lose that or it's going to lose us. So they, they're very, very intertwined. Um, 
Yeah. So something about when you ask, like, what other tools is when do we actually let ourselves really weep in company? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Without feeling that we're weak or feeling ashamed or feeling self-conscious that that there's actually a, a deep cleansing going on that opens us up to more joy. Mm-hmm which yeah. again is also subversive to how we're taught about feelings in, in dominant culture. That is so, so beautifully said, Lori. And so, so there's so much in that because in everything you just brought up, uh, we are talking about the flip side, the self-same branch of grieving and feeling the loss and being present with loss and the joy, the wonder, the beauty of living life, that light, that affirmation of life, the two are walk side by side constantly. I mean, that's what we do. And um, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, so as we're, as we're uh, bringing this particular conversation to a close, I'd just like to give you a moment to pause and to, to reflect and see in your heart and your mind, both of which are, are great. Lori has a great heart and a great mind. Um, if there's anything else you want to just say uh, to our listeners. There's a not one of us, oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying not one of us gets away in this life without a lot of sadness, loss, and grieving. And it doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily around death. It can be so many things. And on the flip side, we are inundated with joys and wonders and life-affirming moments. So that said on my part, please give us your final <laughs> thoughts and wisdom. I mean, two, two thoughts emerge. <clears throat> and one is that, um, you know, we walk in this world, I have my, both my hands out, and, yes. and not that there's just a binary, actually, but we have two hands. Um, and in one hand are, like, the awe and the love and the um, celebrations and the nachas and the simchas and um, um, the vibrancy and vitality of what it means to be alive in this world. Like, like oh my gosh, for that, right? So much praise for that. And then the other hand are the sorrows that are part of that, that also shape who we are. Um, and, and, and how do we move through the world? You know, it's how do we move through the world um, carrying those and holding those? Um, and I was thinking of, there's this wonderful documentary. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's about a man's relationship with an octopus. I don't know oh, if you've heard I've, of this. I've heard of this. People say it's incredible. My yes. friend or something. Uh, yeah. People say it's amazing. He learns about like self-love and compassion and beauty and connection through the octopus. And I was thinking, maybe we have something to learn from, from the octopus who has eight arms and is not, not just carrying the binary, but is like carrying like all of life. And, and how do we move through the world with a fluid heart? You know, the way, you know, fish and algae move through water, um, navigating this, this beautiful journey that we're all on. And, and, and how do we tend to each other as we accompany each other on this incredible journey? I, while you were talking about that and the eight arms and the, 
I just remembered a line from, it was one of the Rinpoche's, so I don't remember which one. So sorry, Rinpoche, I don't know which one you are, but it's, the line is, um, real fearlessness comes from letting the world tickle your heart, your raw and beautiful heart. Mm. And it brings me back to our walk in the, and coming upon this beautiful person on this beautiful bench in this beautiful field who was dropped into her heart. Yeah. Uh, Lori, thank you so much for being here and sharing yourself and your joy and your knowledge and your wisdom and your heart and, and, and your rabbinical training that I love how it, 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 it filters out in such a beautiful way into your work. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to find you? You can email me at laurie.winters at goddard, G-O-D-D-A-R-D dot E-D-U. Let them know that how you spell your last name, though. <laughs> uh, it's L-O-R-I dot W-Y, as in yellow, N-T-E-R-S at goddard.edu. Okay, great. Okay, Lori. So thank you so much. May we keep uh, holding each other in presence. Yes. With our, and letting the world tickle our raw and beautiful hearts. I thank you so much for being here. This was such a joy. Thanks for having me, Donna. My pleasure. Pleasure is mine.